Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Noah Ostroff with Keller Williams in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Last year, he closed 586 transactions with a total sales volume of $200 million. His average sales price was $341,000, of which 53% were buyers and 47% were sellers. He has a 50-member team, 35 agents, one ISA, one director of sales, two listing coordinators, one marketing coordinator, one marketing manager, four transaction managers, one operations manager, one compliance manager, one controller, one CEO, and one founder. Noah is the founder of the Global Living Team, including the Philly Living brand. He's been an agent for nine years. He's headquartered in Philadelphia and has expansion offices in five locations. In this call, Noah talks about selling 50 homes his first year in the business and how he did it. Why everyone you meet needs housing and is a potential client. Lessons he learned from rapid growth. Answering the age-old question, should team leaders give leads to agents or teach agents to lead generate? How to change the culture of a team. Why he turned weekly meetings into weekly massive action events. What happens during the events and the early results. Why focusing on your past clients and sphere of influence is more valuable than chasing people you don't know. Rapid growth through expansion offices, mistakes made, and lessons learned. What to do if a new office is not working out. Why it's better to go narrow and deep instead of broad and shallow. Team dynamics, compensation, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Noah. Thanks for having me. Great to have you here. Noah, before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. I went to Penn State University. When I graduated college in 2003, real estate was the industry that was the, the booming industry. You know, everybody was talking about real estate. That seemed to be where the money was. So when I got out of college, I decided to work for a large home builder as a project manager. So I worked for actually two large home builders between 2003 and 2006. So understanding all aspects of the real estate business from overseeing a sales division, overseeing a construction division, and really just learning how to build houses and sell houses from a high level. After I did that, I got out of the industry, got into a different industry to grow my own business for about two years. And then that's where I lived and then got back into real estate in the sales capacity in 2008. And in 2008, I got in the industry as a real estate sales agent. So you've been in and around real estate for a while, popped out, it sounds like when the market turned down, then you got back in, kind of in the middle of that downward part of the cycle. So you've been riding that turn back up. 
Yeah, I got it in 2008, which was a good time and a bad time. Bad time historically because the market wasn't good, but good for me because I had to learn all the right things that you needed to do to be successful in real estate. I didn't get the luxury of getting in when the market was good and the business was there. I had to go out and, and generate the business on my own and create it on my own. And for me, I didn't know the difference between a good market and a bad market. So in 2008, I didn't realize we were in a bad market because I was learning how to do the right things and things were popping from day one. When you first got in that first year, did you have a fast start or a slow start? I sold 50 houses my first year in business. Wow. So I don't know if that would be fast or not, but I'll kind of give you my sequence of events. I decided on a Friday evening that I wanted to get my real estate license. And that was at four o'clock in the afternoon. And I went online, found a real estate course that was starting on Monday morning. And it was an eight day course, seven and a half hours a day. For the next eight days with weekend in the middle of that, I took my real estate classes, studied every single night. And at the end of that couple week period, took my in-class exam, passed that. I overnighted my application to the state called them literally every single day to get my uh, test scheduling number. As soon as I got that test scheduling number, I, I went in and took it, passed the first time. As soon as I passed, I literally left the testing facility and drove straight to Harrisburg to get my physical real estate license because I knew that if I sent it in the mail, it would take about two to three weeks for me to get my license. And I don't want to wait two to three weeks. I wanted to get started right away. So I drove to Harrisburg, which is about three hours from where I lived, got my real estate license, and on the way home, started making phone calls to as many people as I knew saying, hey, just got my license. Do you know anybody who's looking to buy or sell? So right from the beginning, I started making calls on the way back from getting my license. And then I just kept doing that ever since. You are a action taker. It sounds like when you make a decision, you take immediate action. Could you tell us a little bit about that very first year and what you did to put 50 closings together in your first year? What kind of things were you doing? First of all, I'm a very learning-based person, so training was a really big thing for me. So I really decided to go to as many training events as I could go to the first year to understand how to do real estate, how to put together an agreement of sale, what I needed to know, what you know, what I didn't need to know. Then took my marketing skills or whatever you want to call it and just started trying to be creative with marketing that we did to try to generate business out of thin air because I had no business that was being handed to me. I didn't have anything to go off of, so I had to create my own business. So first year, in between all the learning that I was doing, I was, in my mind, when I would walk around the streets, every single person was a potential client because everybody needed a place to live, whether they were looking to buy, rent, sell, everybody needed a place to live. And for me, everybody was a potential client. So I was out there putting my flyers in every single coffee shop, every single store. I was posting my business cards everywhere. Back then, Craigslist was pretty big. So I was, I was on Craigslist probably 30, 40 times a day, reposting stuff to make sure that my post would end up at the top of the Craigslist thing. And if everybody else was posting in lowercase letters, I was posting capital letters. And once everybody started posting in capital letters, I was putting stars and asterisks and you know, just to kind of stand out from everybody else. I was out on every construction site talking to every developer and every builder trying to get listings. I was responding to every Trulia and Zillow post back then before they were like really big, back when they um, 
used to, you know, the buyers used to go and say, hey, I'm looking for a house. Do you know anything available? It was like smaller scale back then. I used to reply to all those. Everybody saying they're looking for a place to rent. I would call them on the phone, see if I could convert them to a buyer. I was calling for sale by owners, expired listings. I was driving around neighborhoods, uh, see for sale by owner signs, and I would call them and try to set up listing appointments. I, I literally was doing whatever I could to generate business. I was working my database. I was emailing and calling my database, which was limited back then, but I was calling them every day. I, I was doing business the way that you're supposed to do it, but I didn't know it any better. So I just really was trying to build my business up as fast as I could. I didn't know at the time that if I just continued to do this for every single day of every single year and teach other people how to do it, then you really don't need to know anything else besides that. We're, you know, we're in the lead generation business. And you know, people don't like the word lead generation or prospecting. So I just think of it as business development. We're in the business development business. And every day we come to work trying to get hired. That's my goal every day. Sell a house every day and try to get hired every day, whether it's hired for a listing, hired to represent a buyer, you know, whatever whatever that means to you, that's the goal every single day. Noah, you seem to have a lot of motivation, especially there in the beginning. Is that just part of your nature or something going on that you really needed to make something happen right away? Nothing was going on that needed to happen right away. Like you said, I'm an asking person. I understand how to execute on things, and I, I know how to take an idea and actually make it come to fruition to get the point A to point B. So to me, it wasn't very complicated in what needed to be done. It was go out, get business, let everybody in the world know that you're in the real estate business, create awareness around what I do, and then once I can get in front of people, show my value in terms of what I can do to help them out, whether it's through my knowledge, my ability to get a deal done for them, negotiate the best price, find properties that nobody else knew about, you know, whatever my value was at the time, I would make sure that people knew about that when I got the opportunity to get in front of them. Sounds like you've been in the business for nine years, correct? Yes. Last year, how many homes did you sell and what was the sales volume? Sold just under 600 houses last year and uh, about 200 million in sales volume. Let's let everybody know where you are. You're in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Could you tell us a little bit about Philadelphia, for instance? What's the population there? You know, I don't know those stats off the top of my head, but I think it's about two and a half million that actually live in the main Philadelphia area and then probably another couple million or a million or so that come into town that work every day or live in the Philadelphia metro area that come into town. Philadelphia is uh, top five largest metro cities in the country. Um, but the area that we focus on is Center City and the surrounding neighborhoods around Center City. And over the last 10, 15 years, Philadelphia has really become a destination place for people to live, work, and open businesses and, and visit as well. This week is great because we have the NFL draft, which is here. So it's a big event. A lot of people are here and beautiful weather. So it's great for our city. We've had a lot of national recognition lately and it's helped the real estate market. And the great restaurants are coming to the city and a lot of great businesses and hospitals and schools. So it's helping the real estate market as well. And the demographics in Philadelphia are just changing and with 
helping out the prices as well because the prices continue to continue to climb too. So when the market went down back in 2004, or, or I guess when the market was good back in 2004 or 5, Philadelphia went up a little bit, 8%, something like that, which is low compared to the rest of the country. But also when the market crashed, we didn't lose as much as the rest of the country. We went down also, but not as much as everywhere else. And now that the market is good again, better than it was back in you know, 2004 and five, we are in a better place now than we were back then, but creeping up at a pace that is more sustainable. Well, Noah, I heard you say Center City, Center City, Philadelphia. When I hear that, I think of Allen Dom and high-rise condominiums. Are you selling high-rise condominiums or are you also selling houses? We sell both. So we sell a mixture of condominiums and townhomes as well. So where we are, there's no uh, detached. Well, in in the city, in the center of the city, there's no detached single-family homes. They're all townhomes ranging in price from... 200,000 to three, four, five million. You know, it's, uh, I would say the bread and butter of where we're at, our average price for our team is ranges between 350 and 450,000, but we sell, you know, a lot of million dollar plus homes as well and, and condos too. Um, and then when you go, you know, 15, 20 minutes from center of Philadelphia to the suburbs, there's plenty of single family homes out there as well that, that we sell. And we also sell multifamily buildings and and mixed-use buildings and, and those types of small commercial buildings as well. You and I exchanged some information before the call, and I noticed that your production numbers this year are way up over last year. It looks like you're in some major growth. If I'm looking at this correctly, it almost looks like you're on pace to do 900 or 1,000 closings this year. Am I looking at that correctly? It's very possible. We're pending closed units so far through end of April, we're at about 300 pending and closed units so far and about $140 million in volume so far. So potentially we're on pace to do that. Our goal was to do 800, 800 deals a year, but we may, we may actually beat that. Have you been adding people to your team? What have you been doing to grow like that? So last year was our big growth year, and we added... I want to say we probably added 30 or 40 people last year to our team between our operations staff and our sales team. We opened up about 13 locations last year and we expanded all over the country and really all over the world. We opened up three locations in Florida or actually four, three in Miami, one in Palm Beach. We opened up a couple places in New Jersey. We opened up in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, we opened up in, in a bunch of the suburbs of Philadelphia, and we even opened up in the UK as well. We had a lot of opportunities to expand, and we were in big growth mode last year. So we, we had the, the benefit of getting a very expensive education last year. We definitely made a lot of mistakes, but got some great real-world experience on what to do and what not to do. And this year, we've made a lot of changes in our business. We closed down a lot of the locations that weren't as profitable as we wanted them to be. We closed down some of the locations that were more of a distraction that we wanted. And uh, we really just focused on what everybody really should be focusing on all along, which is the people that know you, love you, and trust you, which is your sphere of influence and your past clients and, and really your database. So our goal this year we have everyone in the organization moving towards one number that everybody understands 
what the role is in achieving that number. And that number for us is 600. So we want 600 of our deals this year to come from past clients and center of influence. So everything that we're doing on a daily basis and on a weekly basis is geared around that. Our marketing message, our events that we do, we no longer hold team meetings. We have massive action sessions where the entire team gets together and does something of massive action to move towards that goal of 600 deals from past clients or center of influence by, you know, we do charity events where we reach out to our past clients and center of influence. We do fun games and events with them, just different creative ways to get in touch with them rather than just calling them all the time and saying, hey, do you want to buy or sell a house? Because they get tired of that after a while. So we needed to provide value to them to have a reason to call them. So back to your original question, how do we grow? We grew a lot last year. Um, we also contracted this year on purpose. I mean, we got rid of people that weren't going up. We got rid of people that weren't participating in the culture that we were trying to achieve. And really just people that weren't 100% all in on the vision that we had for the business. So by doing so, we were able to give more attention to the people that were doing what was expected of them and, and participating and doing the things that we believe would be best for their business. So we could give them more focus and attention. And because of that, the production volume of those people has, has greatly increased because they're getting better training, more mentorship, more attention, and more access to our resources and our marketing department and all the good things that we have to provide that we weren't able to give to them last year because we were spread too thin. So we're very focused this year. We know the type of business we want. We know who we want to be in business with. And we're very purposeful about the people that we're bringing onto the team. So the goal this year was really just to get Philadelphia stabilized again and back on track to where we wanted to be because that was our biggest, best, most profitable location. Now that we're basically have stabilized that, the goal is to grow by a couple of agents every single month. Um, and we also have a plan for the operations staff to be able to keep up with that as well, which we, we didn't really have last year. So we're more purposeful about the people we're bringing on, uh, experience versus uh, new agents. And we have a mentorship program on the team now. So everybody that joins the team is getting a lot of hand-holding for the first few months to make sure that they're doing things the way that we believe would make them most successful and uh, to help them achieve the greatest success and to really put the message out and the persona and the vision that we have for the team out to the public and to the world. Well, Noah, thank you for showing us some of those lessons you had. A couple questions. First of all, sounds like you have around 50 people on the team right now. How big did it get? Sounds like it got much bigger than that, and then you contracted back. What was the maximum number of people you had? I think we were up to maybe around 70 people last year between operations staff and uh, an agent. Right. You went on some very aggressive expansion into a lot of different markets. And it sounds like you learned a little bit about maybe a lead generation and marketing of what worked and what didn't. You've switched back to repeat and referral. What kind of marketing were you attempting to do in your market and these other markets last year that was not working? We were chasing cold leads because we, I would say, we didn't have enough people that were doing the things they should be doing, just reaching out to past clients, center of influence, and again, the people that want to do business with us working their database. So we were spending a lot of money on Julia, Zillow, Google ads, Facebook ads, 
And with that, you know, it comes a great expense and the conversion rate on that type of stuff is very low. So the return of investment wasn't really high on that type of stuff or not as high as we wanted it to be. But we also grew our inside sales department, our ISAs to pretty good amount of people for us and uh, just became expensive because we were chasing the leads that we didn't know. And came to the realization that if everybody on our team just did what they were supposed to be doing, meaning like lead generating every day and focusing on business development every day, we wouldn't need to go out and just throw a bunch of stuff against the wall and hope that we would get leads and hope that we would get business. We were being more purposeful about it and really just going after the business that we know for sure we could get and, and having the agents on our team do what they're supposed to be doing every day and not... By accident. We did, I don't want to say we did 600 deals last year by accident, but to some degree, we did it by accident because not everybody was doing what they were supposed to be doing. We believe the only way to sustain that and to get to the next level is not to do it by accident, but to do it on purpose and to be purposeful about it. And that's just doing what we're supposed to be doing every single day, day in, day out, regenerating every day. So you closed 600 transactions last year. The year before, how many closings did you have? I think we're around we're around like four hundred and something the year before maybe. Okay, so it's about a fifty percent increase. That sounds like the lesson that you learned in this expansion is you you were going heavily towards marketing and now you're switching back towards prospecting for your lead generation. Does that sound correct? Yes, we cut our budget by about sixty thousand dollars a month. We cut down that much out of our budget over the last four months. And a lot of that was Brulia, Zillow, Google AdWords, Facebook ads, just stuff that we weren't seeing a big return on investment on. We said, hypothetically speaking, we said, all right, if we're spending $10,000 on Google ads, could we take that same $10,000 and use it towards events, you know, things for our clients, things for our database, and could we achieve the same results or better results by doing that than just putting it against like Google ads or something like that? And so we were doing about 10% of our business from those types of like website. We could achieve the same results with the same money. It would still be worth it for us to do because it would require less time. And we'd also be working with people that we want to be working with because people that know us and trust us and, and like us as opposed to people that don't know us and don't know anything about us. So even if we were able to achieve the same results, we would have been okay with that. But after putting it into action, we're doing way better than that. And we're, you know, I don't have enough data yet to really give you good numbers, but it's more than 10% of our business now is coming from the money that we're spending on the events and the, the I call it the experience type thing. We want to give our clients and customers an, an experience that they can remember and something that they'll want to, tell all their friends about and be loyal customers forever. Tell us a little bit more about what type of events and experiences you're creating that are working. What kind of things are you doing? So some of the massive action things that we've done are we have, like I told you before, instead of reaching out to our database and just asking for the business, we put together a charity event where that we found uh, this charity organization that builds houses in a foreign country for $6,000 per house. So if we raise $6,000, they will build a house for a family in need. 
So one time we got together as a, as a team and we called everybody in our database, asking them to support this charity. And our goal was within one hour to raise $6,000 so we could build a house for somebody. So everybody on the team for one hour did it. And we got 150 donations and we raised about $12,000. So we were able to, we were able to uh, build two houses for, for two families in need. So that was a good one. One time we got together and created an event called Connect Four, where we connected with all of our past clients, center of influence and database on four different social media outlets, Facebook and Instagram, I think LinkedIn, and, and I forget what the fourth one that we did was, but um, just different creative ways to reach out. We do a lot of events for clients as well. We do first-time homebuyer events. We do investment seminars. We bring in guest speakers for different things that we do. We did a new construction bus tour where we rented a bus, and we took prospective buyers that were interested in new construction on a, on a new construction tour of Philadelphia to preview new construction houses that were being built. We, we do tons of, tons of things. Those are just some examples of some of the things that, we, that we've done. Just be different. Of the events that you've attempted so far, what has been the most successful? What has been the one that you've gotten the most people behind and you've got most people involved and you think will have the best results? I wouldn't say it's an event, but I say, you know, it's a process, not an event, right? So the process of getting our team together on a weekly basis, and now we're going to go to daily massive action sessions starting on Monday, but the process of getting everybody on the team engaged in regeneration every day is and will have the greatest success rate for us. So the massive action event internally, how long does that last? Do you do that for what, an hour? You get everybody to have an hour of power to reach out and touch their base about one of the events coming up? Yep. It's one hour of, it's one hour together that we spend doing that. And sometimes people stick around and, and continue to do it for a couple hours after that, but it's one hour scheduled that we're together. And the benefit of an event or a cause is it gives you a reason to make that phone call and to touch base with your past clients and sphere of influence. You can invite them to a party or ask them to donate. It's something other than, hey, who do you know who wants to buy or sell? And so whether we're top of mind when they're thinking of real estate or when they have somebody that asks them, hey, who do you know that I can call to sell my house? Or when they go to sell or buy a house, they're thinking about us. Because you can never time perfectly. You never know exactly when somebody's going to be ready. But if you're constantly in front of them all the time throughout the course of the year, you don't have to worry about the timing of it because you're always there. How were you able to get the team behind that? How were you able to get them excited? I assume you probably lost some people that were looking forward to just picking up leads off the internet, and now you're changing the culture a little bit where you're getting people who need to go out and talk to their database. How did you make that transition in the culture? Yeah, as far as the culture, I mean, we put out the vision of what we were trying to achieve, and actually, we really put the vision out last year, but we weren't holding it accountable, meaning these are the types of people that we want, and this is what we and what we want people to do. And when people didn't show up, we weren't doing anything about it. And so we just decided to get more purposeful about this year. And we sort of, for lack of better terms, we cut the dead weight and we got rid of the people that didn't want to participate and also weren't doing a ton of business because of it. And we got rid of a lot of those people. We really drilled the business down to the core 
group that was participating or was willing to participate and willing to show up every day, be learning based, be good ambassadors for the company. And we drilled it down to that. So this way, when we, we came back out with the new culture or even really the culture that we were trying to get last year, it wasn't as painful. We weren't, it wasn't like pulling teeth because we had a group of people that were all willing and able to do it. And with that said, it's not like it happened overnight. Of course, we know things take time. And it's just a process that we had to go through to get people engaged and keep people engaged, too, because even the people that were, were on board from day one, you know, if we don't keep it fresh and exciting, it's going to be hard to keep everybody engaged, too. So it's, it's, I don't want to say it's a struggle, but it's, it's actually something that we have to really be uh, focused on a lot to make sure that we can deliver the value for people. And really what we want it to be is, hey, just show up every day. Don't think about what you need to do. Don't even worry about it. Just show up here every day at this time. We'll tell you what you're going to be doing during the course of the day. All you have to do is do it. And if you do it, you're probably going to be successful. You know that a lot of the people, I'm sure you talk to a lot of people, the reason that they don't take action is because they don't feel they're prepared. They don't feel they're qualified. They don't feel like they have the training or they know how to do it or any of that stuff. We just say, hey, just do it. And, you know, when I teach classes or when I have my people in front of me, I'm with brand new agents and we're elbow to elbow with 30 people in the room. I say to them, hey, listen, in two minutes, what I'm going to have you do is you're going to pick up your phone and they don't even know what I'm about to say, but in two minutes, you're going to pick up your phone and here's the script that you're going to use. You're going to call everybody in your database for the next 20 minutes and you're going to use this script and try to get an appointment or referral or some business. I say, listen, you're not going to sound good on the phone because it's your first time doing it. Everybody's going to hear you talking. You know, that's an objection why people don't want to regenerate because they're afraid people are going to hear them. I said, everybody's going to hear you, but you're going to hear them too. You're probably not going to sound good. You don't know what the script is going to be, so you're going to fumble your words. But don't worry. Just do it. And, and I said, all right, go. And then 20 minutes later, you know, this group. 50, 60 appointments within a 20-minute period, and they can really see the results. And it doesn't matter if people can hear you talk or you don't know what you're going to say or you're fumbling your words. Imperfect action beats a perfect plan every time. I assume you're figuring out who in the room is willing to make those calls and who's not. Well, I stand in front of the door, and I don't let anybody leave. <laughs> so, so everybody's making the calls, including me. I make the calls, too. I don't just sit there and watch. I make the calls, too. Lead by action. So what does the typical day look like now for your salespeople? Have you set a perfect day up for them? We haven't taken it to that level where we've set up the day for them. We just, we help them with their time blocking. We meet with people individually. They know that lead generation needs to be the top priority every day when you get up in the morning. We do an 815 call every morning with our sales team. It's a 15 minute call. It's Start out like a morning mindset call just to get you in the right mindset. And sometimes we talk about different topics throughout the day. It's really just to make sure everybody's on the same page and starting their day on a positive note. And then again, at 9 o'clock, we have a stand-up meeting with our operations staff. And that's literally a stand-up meeting where we talk about what's happening during the course of the day on the operations side. And 15 minutes, start with something positive, something of gratitude, and then go on to just making sure everybody's on the same page. So other than that, we don't dictate exactly how the day is going to go for the agents. You mentioned that you're going to start doing a massive action event each morning, each day. 
Sounds like you've been doing it weekly, and now you're going to go to daily. Did I understand that correct? That's correct. Starting on Monday, we're going to have daily massive actions. So what time would that event be, and how long is it going to last, and how do you envision it? What's going to happen during that time? Well, I'd rather get back to you on that after we start doing it so I can tell you about how it's going and what we're doing. But um, it, it's all going to start Monday. It's going to be every single day, first thing in the morning for a couple hours, and every day. The night before, the agents are going to know what it is they're going to be doing, and all they have to do is show up and do it. Think, think of it in terms of like a CrossFit workout, where you have the workout of the day, or the WOD, as they call it, and you find out the night before what your workout of the day is going to be, you show up to the CrossFit and you do the workout. It's going to be the same type of thing on the real estate side for us. You know you had to be here. This is the time it starts show up, the, the quote-unquote workout of the day or the plan for the day is going to be put in front of you, and all you have to do is do it. So the time is structured. You know what time you have to show up and how long you'll be there, but the actions that are going to occur are kind of like a surprise each day. Each day, the day before, you're going to find out what the big surprise is for the following day. Correct. Which requires a lot of planning on our end to make sure that we have enough cool things for our agents to do and you know, enough reason for them to show up every day. I can't wait to hear how it works out. I'll try to touch base with you in a couple months to see what happens. But I like the idea of getting everybody into action. Let's talk a little bit about this expansion experiment that you had. You did the expansion team concept where you went out to these satellite offices and in Florida and New Jersey and Ohio, Philadelphia, even out to the to the UK, which is pretty wild. You started, I think you said you opened 13 locations, but then you realized it wasn't working the way you wanted. You expanded a little quickly. Do you still have the 13 locations or have you paired it back? No, we paired a lot of them back for various reasons. Some of those reasons being the UK, it just, it wasn't as profitable as we wanted it to be. We had some good people out there, but just how the money works and flows back and forth to the United States just wasn't, it was difficult to make a real profit there. It was more cool than anything else to be perfectly honest. So that closed down. Some of the other locations we closed down where we had great agents and they were doing a lot of deals, but the price point was too low. So and when I say too low, just to give you a ball, too low for us, it was like averaging around 200000 or a little bit below that. And it was too low for us because we're a heavy support model business. So we have a, basically one operations person for every two agents on our team. So we have very high salaries and pretty high overhead for salaries, but that's the value that we provide. So every transaction coordinator can only handle so many transactions per month. So if the deals are coming in at 200000 or 400000 they still can handle the same amount of deals. And we just weren't able to make the numbers work at an average price of 200000 So... We actually had to cut a couple of our locations because the average price was too low. We had to get rid of some good people on our team, unfortunately, just because it wasn't a good business decision for us to keep those locations open. And then some of the other locations we closed down because we didn't have the right people. And some, towards the end, we closed down just because expansion became a distraction for us and we were just trying to refocus. And that was it. And I'm still a big proponent of expansion. We're definitely going to continue to expand for the foreseeable future, but we really needed to get our foundation right and better in Philadelphia and build our organization to better scale 
And then now, next time we go out and really make a big push to grow and expand, we're going to have the foundation and the infrastructure in place to be able to do it and not feel like we're doing it. Thank you for sharing. Have you now closed then all of your expansion offices? No, we didn't close all of them. We have, we still have five of them open, but we closed down the other ones. So you kept about a third, a little more than a third. It sounds to me like you decided you tried to go out wide and shallow, and instead now you're reversing back in. You're keeping it more narrow in your core market and going deeper to get some better roots. That's exactly right. And, and not that we're not growing. We are growing, but we're just adding in our local area first because we can reach out and touch those people and see them and have a bigger impact on the people that are right in front of our face on a daily basis. So. We are growing, but we're growing more internally from close by right now. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search Real GTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. Well, no, I really appreciate you opening up and sharing that experience. As you mentioned, there are a lot of lessons that you learned, a lot of lessons that folks that are listening can pick up on right away. Again, thank you so much for opening up and sharing. It shows, again, that you like to take action, move forward, uh, experiment with things, see whether they work or not. If they work, you move forward. If not, you're willing to do something that's really hard for people, and that is to cut your losses. Things aren't working, being able to shut an office or uh, an expansion office in this case, or let go of some people that aren't working out. That's really hard for people to do. In fact, I got to ask, how do you have that constitution to let someone go if it's not working out? It makes it a lot easier when we're clear on the expectations and the results, and then we can just hold the results accountable and not the people. So we hold people accountable to the results and we don't have to worry about whether we like the person or not. If they're not willing or able to participate and do what is, I guess, asked of them or, or what we believe should be done, it makes for the conversation easier. We're just, we're just not aligned right now. We're not, here's what we expect and what we're looking for. If you're not willing to do this or not able to do this, that's fine. We'll help you find your next opportunity and we can still be friends. And sometimes it's hard, you know, it, it was hard to shut down a couple of the teams for people that for a couple of people we had on the team that really were participating and engaging and like really saw the value in what we were doing. And they were disappointed that we shut down the team because we were kind of letting them down. It's never an easy thing, but we have to do what's the most responsible business decision and what's best for the business. That's those are the decisions that we make. We do what we need to do. I assume that. At this point, you're getting much more focused on your core lead generation. We're talking a lot about that. And that creates the culture and that moving forward, it's going to be easier to bring people in because, as you mentioned, you have a more succinct expectation of what they'll be doing each day, which will allow a much cleaner transition for that growth. A question I have for you is when you were expanding out and you went to 13 locations, how were you finding those locations? How were you figuring out where you would expand to? So that was part of the problem. Actually, We had a business plan in place of where we wanted to expand to. And then 
we put it out to the world that, hey, we're expanding, we're looking for great people, and a lot of people reached out to us. So we were expanding because we had opportunities to expand, not necessarily because it was where we wanted to expand or where we would have naturally gone to had we just followed our plan. So, you know, we had great people in Florida and other locations that reached out to us and said, hey, we want to be a part of your team. We want to be the ambassador in these locations for you. And we did it. And the mistake was that it wasn't expanding in the sort of inkblot model, if you, if you will. And it, it became difficult to lead and manage from the beginning. I saw a good movie over the weekend called The Founder. And it was about the... Uh, McDonald's and how they started out. And there's some great lessons on expansion from that movie and just talking about how you have to have your systems and models in place and your standards and expectations and, you know, and somebody to hold those standards accountable when you go to these locations to make sure that no matter where you are, it's going to be the same everywhere. When you go to Starbucks, no matter where you go in the country, you can pretty much get the drink that you like at any of those locations and it's going to be the same. And that's what expansion really is about, in my opinion. And we weren't really producing the same product at every location and unable to hold it accountable. didn't have the right leaders in place at those locations. So we learned a lot about needing to have the right leader and the right person to make sure that all expectations were actually being put into place at all those locations. So next time we go out and really do this at a high level, we know what we need to do next time. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, Michael Gerber and the E-Myth, creating the franchise model that you can duplicate multiple locations. Also sounds like to me that if you did this again, you would build it out more from your core and stay closer to the core, maybe in like a concentric circles moving out from Philadelphia. Is, Is that true? Yeah, I think Philadelphia is where we're going to focus on right now because we have the most leverage in Philadelphia. People know us. It's not when we go around to get business, we already have a presence here. People have heard of us before. When we go into a new location, people haven't really heard of us. And, you know, if we go into a new location like Florida, so we have to build the brand recognition up again, which, you know, we can do given some time, but it's not as easy to do in Philadelphia. So we just grow from the core of Philadelphia and we slowly, in Philadelphia, there's probably, you know, 10 different sub-markets of Philadelphia that are totally different areas with totally different agents that work those areas that we could easily expand into and people still sort of know us a little bit better. So it just makes it easier to manage people and that's sort of going to be the initial plan. And then once we do that, then we'll sort of go up and down the East Coast places that we could drive to within a couple hours from now, places that we can get to and get back home the same day. Noah, are you running an independent company? No. I own the Kelly Williams franchise, and our brand Global Living and Philly Living, they are all independent contractors under Kelly Williams. Kelly Williams Philly is our, is our company. And that's how you were able to see opportunities all over the country is, I assume, through the Keller Williams Franchise Network, but then you realize that you were spreading yourself a little thin, and next time you'll do it a little tighter geographically. That's exactly right. Let's talk about these past clients and sphere of influence. Let's dive into that a little bit more. You've taken your focus there. How big is the database for you and the team of past clients and sphere of influence? At this point, I think we have about 125,000 people in our database. 
Is that just past clients and sphere of influence? Past clients, sphere of influence, and leads that we've gotten over the years. Do you know what it is just for past clients and sphere of influence since that's becoming your major focus? Well, we've done about 2,500 deals since we started the team. So you know, I would say 2,500 people would be past clients or you know, some of them are repeat clients, but I would say at least 2,000 of them are past clients. And then the sphere of influence, I assume it's not just your sphere of influence anymore. It's the sphere of influence for uh, the salespeople. You're having them put together their database. So that's probably adding another couple Correct. thousand. Do you have your office staff, the admin staff, put their sphere of influence in as well? Actually, no, we don't. We don't have our office staff put their stuff in. Where are you keeping the database of past clients and sphere of influence? Are you using a database software program of some kind? Yeah, right now, and over the last couple of years, we've used a program called Infusionsoft. So it's a, it's a pretty robust CRM, similar to like a Salesforce CRM. We have everything housed in there, all of our drip campaigns and everything that we do, all of our uh, landing pages and everything run through there. It took us a while to build it out. We had an implementation partner a few years ago when we first set it up, but now it's operating at full speed. Yeah, I've heard that's a fairly complex system and you can't just walk right into it. It takes a little bit of time to set up, make sure it's working properly. Did you experience that? Back when I got into the business, top producer was the CRM that everybody used. People still use it, of course, today. And I had it for a year. And if you asked me how it was, I would tell you not good because I didn't use it, right? I was still running my Excel spreadsheets alongside of my uh, top producer. I never fully got my database merged over to there. So I never really used it at full capacity because I just didn't have the time to do it. So this time around, I don't want to make that same mistake. So we hired somebody to be our implementation partner to put everything in place to get all the campaigns set up and really just get it working, set up all the reports and get everything working. Without that, we would not have been able to get everything set up. It's a pretty robust system. And if you don't have somebody working full-time or at least part-time on it until you're fully set up, it's just not going to work out. Was the implementation partner a company that does that or was it an individual that you found some type of consultant? From what I remember, I think it was an individual that was a consultant but also used the product and was also a real estate agent also that sort of had a side business of helping people get set up on Infusionsoft. Could you outline for me the current structure of the team? As of January 1st, I'm no longer the CEO. I hired a CEO to run the company. So he was my COO and now he's the CEO. So that's as of January 1st. We have a CEO. Uh, we have a director of sales. We have a controller, somebody that handles all the financing. We have a marketing manager. We have a marketing coordinator, and we have two listing coordinators. We have an operations manager, and we have four transaction managers. We have a team concierge, somebody that does all the paperwork for all the agents. We have an inside sales department. We have, I'm just trying to look outside my office now so I don't forget anybody here. We have probably 30 or 35 agents right now as well. Yeah, that's a big operation. I can see why you need that, that COO who turned into the CEO to help you keep that all organized. 
now that you have this big team running around, you have a CEO, I assume you're known as the founder. What do you do every day? What's your task that you need to accomplish? My goal is to create opportunities for people and create opportunities for people in my world. So I do, I do a lot of training for the agents right now. So right now, the thing that I'm trying to teach them is about building wealth. So we're focused on building wealth, and that's creating passive income that exceeds your personal expenses. So you try to teach people the definition of wealth for me is when you have $1 more of passive income than you have in personal expenses. So teaching agents in how to be an investor and what to invest in and how to build passive income and how to build wealth and how to start other businesses and how to actually treat their business as a true business and not just as a real estate agent. So a lot of times, real estate agents in general don't think of themselves as business people. And we kind of flip that and say, listen, we don't want to hire real estate agents anymore. We want to hire business people that just so happen to also be real estate agents. And by doing that, we can, we can speak to our people on a much higher level and teach them about leverage and teach them about finance and about how to manage a P&L. So when somebody says, hey, I made X amount of dollars this year, I don't have to say to them, actually, you didn't because you forgot to subtract out your expenses and your cost of sale and all that stuff. So now they're speaking the proper language in terms of net profit versus just GCI. They're understanding the concept of leverage and how you can get more done when you leverage your time. They understand dollar per hour wage and how their, their time is better spent on the highest dollar producing activities. So we've implemented showing the agent model on our team when people get too busy. Um, a listing agent partner where we co-list stuff and we're now allowing people through our guidance and through a program we're, we're still creating uh, to have a team within a team. Our people see what we do in terms of growing a team and how to do it, but the only way they can get the opportunity to do that if they desire is to leave our team and start another one, right? Like, typically, that's how it works. But we said, well, why would we want to do that? Why would we want to train people and bring in high-level people and the only way for them to have real opportunity of growing a team by themselves is to leave our team. That doesn't make any sense. So we figured, how can we, how can we come up with a program where nobody would ever want to leave our team? So now we've done a couple of test pilot programs with a couple of people. Um, once they get to a certain level, allowing them to essentially have a team within our team, utilizing our support, our marketing, our branding, and all of the other stuff that comes with it, and they don't have to leave our team. And it's a win-win for both of us. Could you outline for us the track that you would put a new agent on? How would you bring them in? What would be their position and responsibility? And how would they move up through the levels to the point that they would get to that team within a team or that sub-team? So when you join our team as a new agent on our team, I just want to be clear, when I say new agent on our team, it's not necessarily new agent to the business but just new agents to the team, they would have a 100-day plan that is put for them of sort of learning about our business, learning about Keller Williams, learning what to expect. And some of it's things they may have gone through before. Um, in the office, we have a productivity program for, for new agents, like new to the business. And we would put them through that for six weeks as well, every day for three hours a day. And then we'd also pair them up with a mentor. Now, the mentor would be responsible for all the training required to get that agent to a level where they're producing 
three or four deals a month on a consistent basis. They're doing the things that are necessary and really just having an outlet and a person for that agent to call anytime there's a question or they need help on something. And it leverages us as well to have other people in the organization uh, doing that for us. And for that, they get an override on those deals. It allows the mentors to become leaders of the organization. It allows the mentees to have somebody that's holding their hand for the first few months of their career on our team. And then we figured the program, we haven't gotten to a full stage of the program yet, but uh, we figured once people are with us for about six months, they should be able to sort of be done with that program, not necessarily need a mentor anymore, or at least a full-time mentor. And then they go out on their own as an individual agent on our team. And then there's certain expectations for that as well. And then really, it's not even about production level or time or anything like that. It's when the agent is ready to branch out and create opportunities for themselves and to create leverage for themselves in their business, then they would have the opportunity to form these sub-teams. So it hasn't happened yet, but somebody potentially could be in the business for a year and be a really high-minded business person and can be ready for a sub-team if if they grow the business big enough, or it could be somebody that's been in the business for 10 years and is ready to do more deals. You know, we can only work with so many clients at one time. You can only work with whatever, 5, 10, 15 buyers at a time, whatever the number is. But people may have more leads than that coming in than those 10 or 15 that they're working with at a time. So rather than getting paid zero off of it and letting those clients go into thin air, there's a way to make less money off of it, still provide exceptional service, by showing agent model, or if it's a listing, it would be, you know, a listing agent model, a co-listing agent model. So really just giving people additional opportunities to create income, build wealth, and to create leverage in their lives and really think like a business person. When folks are building out their team, or even if they've already built out their team, one of the big questions they always have is compensation. They want to make sure they're paying enough to attract people, but not too much that they don't become profitable. Could you let us know what you've structured for your sales agents as far as compensation? So the agents on our team get 50%. So it's 50% to them, 50% to the team. Uh, and that's across the board. And if the deal runs through our inside sales department, our ISA department, paid out at 37.5% to the agent, uh, 5% to the ISA, and then the rest to the team. You mentioned that there's a mentor opportunity and the mentor will help out the new folks coming in. Does the mentor receive some compensation for doing that? Yeah, it varies a little bit. We're still playing around with the exact way it's going to be uh, moving forward, but it's potentially a 10 to 20% override on the deal. You also mentioned you've got this idea of a team leader with the sub team. Have you figured out compensation for that position yet? It's going to be very similar to the mentor-mentee relationship as well, where they would get an override on the people within their sub-team. It sounds to me as though you have not experimented with that sub-team yet. It's something that's on the agenda if a member is able to go up to that level. Is that true? We have one sub-team now that, that we're testing it out with. And it just so happens that we took most of the people from our inside sales team and took them off of salary and made them straight commission. and. They're still doing the same activities they were doing before, lead generating every day, but we've created sort of a sub-team with that group, and anybody that joins that group will be 
responsible for many hours a day of lead generation and prospecting and doing the things that are necessary. We do have one team now that we're experimenting with. You like to talk about wealth building with your team. So we've talked about wealth building opportunities inside the team. Do you also talk to them about things outside the team, like investing in income producing real estate? Yeah, that's actually most of what we talk about. It's more more about outside the team than inside the team, but it's about investing in rental properties. And there's a lot of training that I do for them just to get them ready to do that type of stuff. So teaching them about cap rate analysis and how to analyze multifamily properties, how to look at a piece of land and determine what you can build on it and how you can make money off of it about putting together your plan of how much passive income you want to have. And that's really based upon what your expenses are, or at least to start. So if somebody says, hey, I have, you know, make up a number of $5,000 a month in expenses, first goal is to have them make at least $5,000 of passive income. And then it's a plan of how you're going to get there, meaning how much money do you have in the bank? How much of that money can you deploy every year? How many properties do you need to do each year to achieve that? And how many years do you have to achieve that goal, or at least that first hurdle? And then building a plan on top of that, and then making sure that people are actually doing it. So there's a lot of skill building that goes into that, just so they have a complete understanding. So there's not the excuse of, I'm not investing because I don't understand it. I want people to understand it and realize that's the true path to wealth. And that's the true path to financial freedom. And once they feel comfortable with that, then it's just applying a little bit of pressure to make sure they're actually going out and buying properties and investing in stuff and, you know, looking at holding their money accountable as well to making them money. I don't want them to go through their life working for money. I want them to go eventually have the money start working for them. No, it sounds like you may have already done that yourself. Do you have a real estate portfolio? Yes, I do. Would you mind sharing with us what you've done with the portfolio? So the stuff that we typically invest in are pieces of land. We have two different arms to our investment development company. And so we buy pieces of land to put houses on that we're going to flip and sell new construction houses. And then we take the money from that and we roll it into other pieces of land that we buy and build for multifamily or mixed use and that we keep in our rental portfolio. So that's really the end game. The end game is to increase the passive income by X amount of dollars every month you know, or every year so that we don't have to worry about, you know, after you sell a house, you're only getting paid on that house once. If you have investment properties, rental properties, you're getting paid every month. So that's the ultimate goal is to make money while you're sleeping. Have you achieved the objective on the rental side of your portfolio, the investment side where it's covering all your expenses? I'm still working on it. <laughs> Very good. It takes some time, but you've got a plan and you're executing on it. So you're able to help your agents execute on their plans as well. That's pretty cool. You can't be a part-time investor. You have to, you have to be looking every single day for properties and, and you have to be willing to take action. You know, As an investor, you have to be willing to take action because the good deals don't come up when you're ready for them. They come up when they come up. So you always have to be ready. As the investor in this land and building new construction, do you have a construction company or are you subbing that out and using your experience that you've had in the past to manage that project? 
we have a construction company. We, of course, have some contractors that work for the company, too, but we have our own uh, development company as well. Well, Noah, what drives you? That's a good question. Something I, I really tried to figure out last year because everybody wants to know what's your big why. It's not about money. It's, it's, it's not, definitely not about, about that. Um, I like what I do. I have fun creating businesses. And that's why the new construction is fun because every, every new project is essentially a new business. I like helping other people to recognize the opportunity so they can have the same results that we were able to get. I didn't really have anybody the first couple of years of the business give me the game plan on what to do. So I wanted to give back to them and help them as well. It wasn't until I came to Keller Williams in 2014 where I really started to get a roadmap of actually what needed to be done in this business. And, you know, the millionaire real estate agent was definitely a good roadmap of what needed to be done. But, you know, in addition to that, the culture of Keller Williams was there's just agents that were doing a lot more business than me willing to share everything they were doing, every detail, how much do you pay your people? You know, what does your buyer presentation, your listing presentation look like? What do you do for marketing, this and that? And it was really, our business didn't get to the next level until I started learning from all these other people that were thinking differently and thinking at a higher level. And so for me now, it's about sharing everything that I learned with them to help them out and create opportunity for them. I like to have fun with what we're doing and be a little bit different. The office that we created, we started a new Keller Williams broker August of last year, and we're just trying to do it differently. The atmosphere around here and the culture around here, it's not your typical real estate office. You'll walk into this brokerage, and it's unlike any real estate brokerage that you've ever been to before. There's loud music going at all times, always people here. There's always training events going on. There's 35 training events that we have every month in the office. We have a lot of events, a lot of happy hours. I mean, there's just a lot of fun things that we do because. We want to really create a family more than just like work, but the culture here for us is about two things. It's about the culture of productivity and the culture of fun. And how do we mix those two together so that people are really productive and they're also having a good time and they never want to leave. So that's what drives me now is just creating something different that's sustainable and that will last a long time that will attract other people and will drive our business forward into the foreseeable future. Noah, why have you been so successful? I've always surrounded myself with really good people that were able to implement on good ideas. Execution has always been a very strong suit for me and the people in my world. We've always been able to execute on all the ideas. Also, I think that I've also built my organization out to scale, maybe at the expense of immediate profits. You know, maybe I've been foregoing some short-term profits to build my organization to scale, we can grow a lot bigger than we are right now and we'd still be fine. We wouldn't have to add a lot more people. So we've always been able to get a lot of things done because we have a lot of people. So execution has been our big thing and the execution by the great people that I surround myself with. I, I might get a lot of the credit, but it's really because of them and that's the reason why we're where we are today. It's because of the people on the team. Well, Noah, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? I would tell them to focus on lead generation. That's the big thing. You have to go to work every day. Like it's your job to get hired. And that would be the big thing. Um, actually, I made a list of all the things. Somebody else asked me this question 
once also, and I actually came up with a list of things if you want me to read it to you. That'd be great. Number one, work more on your business than in your business. So a lot of times people don't spend enough time focusing on business development and growth, and they're too caught up in the day-to-day of their business. You need to work more on your business than in your business. Number two, seek out the people who are succeeding at the level that you want to succeed at and make sure to get in front of them and learn whatever you can from them. Number three, read more books. I read between one to three books a month. That's where I get some of my best information from. Read more books, business books. Number four, hire a coach from day one. Number five, spend every day lead generating no matter how busy you get. Number six, learn what leverage is and become a master of it. Number seven, understand what your dollar per hour wage is and hire for the positions that will free up your time, increase your dollar per hour wage. Number eight, surround yourself with forward-thinking, high-level thinkers. Number nine, set goals equal to your potential. A dream with a deadline is a goal. Number 10, think like a business person, not a real estate agent. Number 11, be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Number 12, do the hard things in life and life will be easy. Do the easy things in life and life will be hard. Number 13, our lives and our careers are determined by our acceptance or our rejection of our perceived limitations. Number 14, chase your passion, not the money. The money will come if you're passionate about what you do. Number 15, act like a professional so you can get paid like a professional. Number 16, you don't get revolutionary results from a revolutionary process. You get revolutionary results from an evolutionary process. Number 17, every day you need to go to work like you are unemployed. You need to have the mindset that your job is to get hired by the end of that day. Your job is lead generation. Number 18, your reputation in this business is one of the most important things you have. Treat other agents with respect. They are not your competition. They are your colleagues. Number 19, go to as many training events as you can. Look at this as an investment, not an expense. You will get a huge return on this investment. Number 20, great people will give you the highest return on investment higher than any other expense that you have. A great hire is worth three times what a good hire is worth. Don't be afraid to overpay for the right talent. And number 21, last but not least, take time to celebrate your victories. Take time off. Enjoy your life. This business can consume you and you can get burnt out very quickly if you don't manage your time and your schedule. Make time for your friends and your family. Plan and take vacations. There will never be a good time to go away. It will either be your busy season and you'll be too busy or it will be your slow season and you're working double time to get more business. But you can always make time to enjoy yourself and have fun. I assume that you hand that out to your new agents when they come in. Yes, we do. And I get the question all the time, speaking for our new agents, about the same question you just asked me, what would you recommend? I really just read them this and that's all you need to know. I like how a core theme through there is take action. It's something you've done your entire career, and you're telling them to do the same. They need to go out and beat the bushes every day to find a deal. Yep. Well, Noah, do you think that top agent interviews like the one we're doing now with Mastermind Agent are valuable? I think they're very valuable. It's always good to get different perspectives on what other people are doing. I listen to them all the time myself. I listen to what other top people in the industry are doing because... Maybe you've heard a lot of the stuff that I've said before, but maybe there's one or two things that you haven't heard before that could really make an impact in your business. 
Well, Noah, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? I'm always here to help. We're always looking for good people in our organization and in our brokerage. If anybody wants to chat further with me offline, they can feel free to email me, Noah, at phillyliving.com, and I'm happy to have a, a good conversation with anybody who wants to. Well, Noah, you are a man of action. When you get a new idea, you take immediate action, monitor the results, and then adjust. You don't hesitate, get bogged down in analysis paralysis, and lose the moment. Instead, you learn from the outcomes, gain momentum, and pace ahead of your competition. For example, you expanded with expensive company-generated leads, then switched to agent-generated leads. You changed your weekly sales meeting to weekly massive action events. You added offices quickly, then closed non-profitable offices just as fast. You're willing to take risk, learn quickly, and adjust your approach. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who personally sold 220 homes last year, bringing his team's production up to 453 homes sold last year. Find out who he is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at freeleadtime.com. That's freeleadtime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.